0: One purchased, one donated. That's the promise of Bombas, whose incredibly comfy socks, tees, and underwear go not only to you when you buy them, but also to people facing homelessness. So when you put on that buttery soft tee or realize you've developed a habit of reaching for Bombas socks, which I do, over every other pair in the drawer, you'll know that someone in need is having that same feeling. Ready to get comfy and give back? Head over to bombas.com slash hard things and use
1: code HardThings for 20% off your first purchase. There have been so many guests on the podcast that I wish we could have gotten more one-on-one time with. Because when you really get to sit down and have that intimate experience, you learn so much more. And that's why we love our longtime partner, Masterclass because where else are you going to get one-on-one time with RuPaul, teaching you how to be your most authentic self as if among friends? And if you were as fascinated as I was after Natalie Portman joined the show, maybe you wanted to go deeper, and her acting class on Masterclass lets you do just that. With their set of 180-plus world-class instructors, you're in good hands when you decide to set out on your next learning adventure. Plus, if it's not for you, they have a 30-day money-back guarantee. My favorite. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off in annual membership at masterclass.com hardthings. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com hardthings. masterclass.com hardthings.
0: Okay, everybody, thanks for coming back to We Can Do Hard Things. We're going to jump right in because we're very excited about the person who is with us today. Mae Martin is an award-winning comedian, actor, writer, and producer who can be seen starring in Feel Good, which we freaking loved, which they also (laughs) created and co-wrote. Mae is currently in development with Programmed for Netflix and stars in season two of The Flight Attendant, so cool, on HBO Max, Mae Martin's guide to Series about sexuality and addiction are available to listen to on BBC Sounds. May is also the author of Can Everyone Please Calm Down: A Guide to 21st Century Sexuality. So good. Which our family (laughs) has been going through like a hilarious family class for the last
2: month. (laughs) Welcome, May. Thanks for coming on. We can do hard things. Thanks for having me. It's so nice to meet you all.
0: This is my wife Abby. This is my sister Amanda. And you all know this is May, so we have so much to ask you about. But we want to start yeah. with sexuality because that's just an easy subject we can just get out of the way real quick.
2: And it's- yeah, just a light, you know, <laughs> easy breezy. Yeah, yeah.
0: And also just because we enjoyed your book so much, let's start by talking about why we should talk about sexuality. Because I loved your point, which is. Really, sexuality is for everybody, not just queer people. And the poor, straight people never get to talk about their sexuality because it is always seen <laughs> as something that is just for queer people. Yeah, but you say in the book, which I love that gender
2: preferences are kind of the least important part of sexuality. There's a lot of other parts, yeah, that's that's been my experience, and definitely even, yeah regardless of how you identify, you're rarely attracted to an entire gender, right? It's to do with pheromones or the way people laugh. I have like very specific criteria. Yes, you do. (laughs) Yeah. I think people often forget that, yeah, it's not just queer people that have a sexuality. (laughs) Yeah. So some of the the token,
3: the token hetero on this pod, I will say, I will affirm that, that it didn't occur to me. We even did one on sexuality and I was like, oh, okay, I'll just listen to that one. I don't have one. (laughs) Yes,
2: I know. Yeah, that's insane, right? Yeah, I think it's because queer people are asked to communicate about it a lot more Mm -hmm. and to sort of defend it and explain it a lot more. So it feels like a much bigger part of our identity when really it should be just one small part, Uh, you know, or it should be the same size as your part. That's right. Right.
0: So this is what we're talking about. Okay, these are some examples of maze sexuality. Okay, as of a few years oh, ago, God.
2: right? Yeah, yeah.
0: May really yeah. loves winkers, okay? That's yes. W-I-N-K-E-R-S. May loves people who wink
2: at them incessantly <laughs> yeah.
0: or something? Also diving Probably well. strategically. Probably
3: strategically. not incessantly. I would incessantly,
2: get. I'd, I'd call an ambulance for them. Yeah. But yeah, it, I, I love it. I think it's the confidence. It, when mm-hmm. someone, I know it's kind of old school, but a wink is... Maybe I just like attention, and so it's very direct attention of someone mm-hmm. going. I'm giving you attention, mm-hmm. and I and I love. Yeah, I love a wink. Mm-hmm. I I can't do it. Maybe that's part of it uh-uh. too. I can't. No, I'm a terrible winker. But like a mm-hmm. subtle, quick wink. Uh huh. Yeah. Whoa. If, it's like a if, bullet. If the wink like happen, yeah. if the
1: wink happen with like two guns, like finger oh, guns, like pointer, no. yeah, and finger no. Two no. pointer no. fingers.
0: No, that That's a it. bro wink. It's a bro yeah. wink. That's that's
2: <laughs> Yeah, that's
1: like Ace Ventura.
2: I I don't think I can get on board with that.
0: And you also said that you your sexuality is people who order you drinks without asking you what you want. And then also people who drive while you're the passenger. So I'm noticing some kind of like, you want someone else to be the boss of the situation or am I over um, generalizing here?
2: Yeah, I think the, it's evolved slightly, the drink thing, because once I put that in print, now when I'm out, people send me drinks and I, I, I'm scared of what's in them. I know, yeah. I'm like, this is not safe. I, I don't know. I shouldn't have said this, but I guess it's all confidence for me. And, mm-hmm. and I, yeah, being in the passenger seat when someone's driving, it's hot to me. It's yeah. A yes. car is a powerful vehicle mm-hmm. and being like, I guess I'm going where you're taking me. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Mm.
0: What about you too? Cause I gave them homework that they were going to have to figure out what their sexuality was. Yeah. Oh, great.
3: Sister, Sister go ahead. Girl. I think, I think I might have the same sexuality as May.
2: Okay. Ooh, really? Which is
3: fascinating because my things are bodily identifying you in a group, like with confidence, yes. with some gesture that suggests that you know exactly what's going to happen.
2: <gasps> yes. Ooh. So so
3: things like just staring at you right in the eye, just a little too long. <gasps> eye contact. I,
2: yes. That is electric. Yeah. Yes.
3: Mm -hmm. And the like things that might be like, Oh God, other people are seeing, Oh, Oh, this is happening. You are, you are (laughs) foreshadowing something right now. Or like this happened to a friend of mine recently. She was at a party and she was in a group talking to other people in the group. And this gentleman came over, took her hand, put her drink down on the table and just took her to the dance floor.
2: And I was like,
3: that is my sexuality like that <laughs> wow. thank you and bodily awareness of not only themselves but you so like if someone's walking past like putting their hand on the your back oh, and like I hate that kind of being aware <laughs> like i, I, I mean I it, no it's something this, about being huh. Aware of Present your body and them. aware.
2: But what's weird is like all of these things become awful if the wrong person does. Yeah, them, right? exactly. like that is so repulsive if yes. some random creep is doing that. But yeah, if it's someone that
1: there's a vibe. I what had a few. Um, okay. Someone scared. who can bring a joke full circle and land it yes. like inside a conversation mm. where we've been talking for 10 minutes. And then the one person who can just bring it home and tie mm. up. That's a thing that Glennon does. And then I'll say this one. Um, someone who is up for an adventure, like if I were to say,
0: Oh, I'm sorry, hey,
1: let's go do this X. And they're like, Yes. And also, we should also do Y. And I'm like, Yes. Somebody who wants to bring their yes game and also add to it. Huh. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Hmm. That's cool. I, I had
0: a hard time with this one. Yeah, totally Really us. hard time because, you know, I've just gotten a sexuality in the last <laughs> few years.
1: I would beg to differ, but um, yeah. You just no, acting. I
0: think it's slightly true. Like, I think I shut it down for so long you and started didn't explore it because I was it. scared yeah. of what yeah. was there. Mm-hmm. But I will tell you that one of the things I have noticed throughout my entire life is that when anyone approached me that was non-binary looking. Mm. What I assume Thank God. is my sexuality. All I can tell you is that if my heart was a soldier, it was like suddenly at attention.
2: <laughs> yeah. Is completely. that
0: sexuality? I,
2: you know, there, there's certain people who, when they're around, it's like a director has said action and suddenly you're in the room and you're, it's those people and, they, and you're trying to be the best version of yourself. Yes. And I love that feeling. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: yeah. Okay. So May, I just need to talk about your parents for a minute and how they (laughs) talk to you about sex, because we actually have a lot of parents that listen to this pod. And I think that your parents did such a freaking amazing job of the talk, right? Which really should be an ongoing (laughs) conversation forever with a family. But first of all, didn't your mom sit you down with hand-drawn diagrams of sex?
2: (laughs) Yeah. If for when I have kids, I don't know that I would do it exactly the way they, they did it. But yeah, I was really young and I think I, I had a lot of questions already probably because my my parents had shown me the movie Rocky Horror Picture Show when I was very young because um it was like a family favorite. And then, yeah, my mom sat me down. I think I was about five or six and she had diagrams and she just in that conversation said, this is how a man and a woman have sex and a man and a man and a woman and a woman. And like it, she really covered every base. And she told me, a lot in that conversation. She told me there's no Santa Claus in the same conversation. Oh, no. It was a, that was a lot to take in. And she just sort of demystified all of life in one sitting. But she was very sex positive always and described it as extremely pleasurable and tried to explain orgasms and stuff. I mean, it was maybe too much, but I mean, I couldn't really understand it at that age, but I just knew it wasn't scary. And mm-hmm. I also... They never assumed that I was straight, me or my brother, who who is ostensibly straight, I guess. They always said, do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a, you know what I mean? It was just, because it is crazy that we just assume. It is. You know. Even yeah. the
0: pictures, even the saying, this is sex between a woman and a woman. That is so brilliant. Yeah. Also, yeah. if you need a cheat sheet, you could explain orgasms the way that May's mother did, which is this. <laughs> When two okay, just I want you to imagine some a mother saying this to six-year-old May. Okay, yeah. when two people love each other and they're naked and having sex, they feel very happy, and then they feel increasingly happy, and <laughs> finally they reach a moment of extreme happiness and an explosion of rainbows cascades across the sky.
2: <laughs> so poetic and. So misleading. I mean, like, yeah, (laughs) I was really, really disappointed when when it finally happened. No rainbows.
0: The only person for whom the first orgasm was really fucking let down. It was a letdown. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, have I done it wrong? Like, (laughs) can we talk about the fact that you never had to come out? Because Mm -hmm. this is something we talk about all the time, which is, I don't know if people who don't have to come out even know why it's so infuriating to have to come out. Mm-hmm. Because it's sexualizing yourself in front of people over and over again, mm. which straight people never have to do. Straight people don't just sit down with their parents and say, "Hello, I'd like to announce the fact that I'm a sexual being and have sexual feelings towards people." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's insane.
2: Yeah, I mean it's there's no other preference where you have to declare it and then and then stick with it like When you're a teenager, if you were like, "What kind of music do you like?" and then you have to say it and never change it, (laughs) and uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm lucky, I think. We had other issues, me and my parents for Mm -hmm. sure, but just in this area, they really, they really did a great job at giving me this armor against the rest of the world, kind of. And you know, then I encountered all of that weirdness when I was not at home, and Mm -hmm. was like, "Oh, why is this a thing?" Mm -hmm. But I remember renting the movie Gia. Oh, I love that with, movie. Yeah, with Angelina Jolie. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a sex scene in it. And, but I just was, I just didn't know to be ashamed. And I didn't even really know what it meant. But I was like, I, God, guys, I just love this movie so much. And I just <laughs> kept talking about it to my parents and being like, isn't this a beautiful scene? And they were like, yeah, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and I think that was all. And then i I always brought home boys and girls. And yeah, I mean... I think I had a pretty voracious sexual appetite. So I don't know if that was a a byproduct of what, how they raised me, but mm-hmm. probably Gia,
1: probably, probably Gia. Gia. <laughs> yeah. I actually
0: really remember being very attached to that movie. Have you seen yeah, it?
1: Yeah, I have seen it. It yeah. makes,
0: it makes sense. It, it's all coming together mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about this one time when you were explaining to a friend, I think you were saying at the time that you were going to date a boy, you were dating a boy. And your friend got upset in like a very confused way because your friend was used to seeing you date women. And so he looked at you strangely and said, I can't imagine you having sex with a dude. And you said, which made us so happy, please refrain from imagining me having sex with anyone. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's so weird for queer people that it's every conversation is the other person imagining you having sex with someone.
2: Yeah. And also besides that, it's like, really? You can't imagine it? Like I can imagine anything I want at any time. (laughs)
1: That's right. (laughs) That's
2: right. Uh, That's sad for your imagination. That's right.
1: Early on in my coming out story, I felt like because it was, you know, 20 20 years ago, I felt like I was the one that was teaching everybody about gayness. And mm-hmm. so all of the questions would come and I felt like it was my unfortunate duty to have to educate. And, you know, quite frankly, a lot of my straight dude friends were asking me a lot of important questions for their sexual lives. Mm, that's mm-hmm. awkward. And, and I hated it, but I also felt like it was a service that I had to do for some <laughs> reason. It was brutal.
2: Yeah. That's how I feel a little bit about, about gender right now. And that's also like such an evolving journey for me and a recent shift. And, um, I get so many questions about it. And on the one hand, you're like, it's frustrating, but also I try so hard to be, it's a new thing for everyone sort of, Mm -hmm. I mean, not in human history, but in recent years. So I'm trying to be super patient and with my parents and stuff, Mm. you know, I think it's important that people feel safe to ask questions, but then I don't know. They've got to be polite questions mm-hmm. too. <laughs> they really do. And also if it's something you can Google, maybe do that yes. as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is the yes. conversation with your parents
0: right now? And what is the right. journey you're on with gender?
2: Well, I, so I'm 35 and looking back, I'm like, oh, I'm, for sure, trance. Like, I, but then, and for 10 years, I thought every day about, about top surgery. Mm. And I just never thought I'd be brave enough to do it. I thought it was such a huge deal and such a massive thing. And then I just did it at Christmas and mm. it's been incredible. And I'm, it's, I didn't think that this type of joy or like feeling comfortable in my body, I didn't think it was accessible to me. Mm. I thought everyone else felt the way I felt all the time. And now I'm like, oh my God, I, what a waste of time (laughs) that I spent all that time worrying. So I feel great. And I think my parents can see how good I feel and that's good. Um, yeah. And they've been, they've been good. Pronouns are hard for people. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's hard if you aren't in a community where you're hearing them used a lot and it becomes second nature pretty fast, Mm -hmm. I think if you, but, um, for them, you know, they live a pretty quiet insular life and. They can't really wrap their head around that yet, but they're trying.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And they said an interesting thing the last time they visited me, and I was like swimming in front of them, and I think they could just see how how happy I am. And um they said, we can't really understand the pronoun thing. we but we we want you to know that we see you as you are. Like we can see that you're you're not a girl and you don't feel like a girl. And so we, we do know and see you and all your nuances and everything, but it's just linguistically we can't get it. Mm. Um, so I was like, oh, that's a step. But also maybe give it a go sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, throw a they in yeah, for good measure.
1: Experiences are what people love the most about travel. It's true. You don't go somewhere new and exotic just to be there. You go to do things, be it a historical walking tour, ziplining through the trees, or guided tours through museums, like the hassle-free self-guided audio tour our family took through Versailles. If you're planning a trip and really want to make the most out of your time, I recommend you check out Viator. They have over three hundred. 1,000 bookable experiences from simple tours to extreme adventures, and there's something for everyone in over 190 countries. Thrill rides, spooky ghost tours, secret food guides, exploration off the beaten path. It's all there, along with millions of real traveler reviews, 24-7 customer service, various payment options, and flexibility and support with free cancellation. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. I think that one of the things that has really helped me, not only the fact that I'm very non-binary in so much of my life, I just feel like I'm attached to the pronouns she, her. Mm-hmm. And so, one of our children—they have a non-binary um, friend that that uses the pronouns they/them—and it it blew my mind when I started to think of it as just a third way, rather yeah. than just having two options. There's a middle option, and that yeah. helped me orient how to communicate. And then, by the way, like I still make mistakes. Same. We all do. Yeah. Um, and, totally. and just moving beyond those mistakes as quickly and as, le- as least dramatically as possible has has been really kind of shifting for me. Yeah. It's tricky
2: because it's like, I mean, you talk about paradigm shifts on on this podcast. It is a big and challenging thing, but it's such an important thing that's happening. It might take a hundred years mm-hmm. for us to undo how rigid we've become in this binary, but we're definitely headed in that direction. And it's super important and interesting, and we, I think if, if we can get interested in it in a mm. historical and scientific and cultural anthropological way, if if you do any sort of research it, into it, it's it's just very compelling, and you 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 start to see these rigid walls that have been built around us and and how mm-hmm. limiting they can be, and I mean even like right now, the World Health Organization defines gender as as a cultural thing, mm-hmm. you know it really rocks people's world though. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But even sex is not that binary, you know, when you come down to it, it's good and exciting, but I don't know. It really, it really, people have a panic reaction Mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) So the World Health Organization says that gender is cultural. Here's a question. So I, every poor person who listens to this podcast who has to listen to me talk about gender <laughs> incessantly because I'm always trying to figure it out. But I can't understand. Gender doesn't feel like anything that's inside me. It feels like things that I have put on the outside of me because that's how I've been told to present in the world. But I can't find it inside of me. So like when our son mm. is explaining how his friend is is identifying and he says, look, just look at them. Like there are, you know, a soul, all souls have to be thems. Like when you start thinking about human beings as not gendered, because gender is not real, Mm. you just will start thinking them, 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 because it makes more sense actually.
2: Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: Which I think is so beautiful and probably right. But then I have, I get to that place where I'm like, gender is not real. It's not fucking real. Yeah. And then I have a dear friend who's, Trans and is like, oh no, thank you. That's not correct. I am a man.
2: Interesting. And yeah, I'm like, wait, I mean,
0: what is it?
2: Yeah, that's super interesting. It's a minefield. I mean, I'm more. I feel similarly to you. I think where I'm, uh, my, my personal experience is when I sort of free myself from those things. I'm like, I don't identify with any of it, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I don't know. I guess in the the performance of it, like I. I do identify, like, I feel more comfortable being masculine presenting and I kind of enjoy embodying those tropes sometimes like playfully. And the people that I, um, idolize and stuff and growing up wanted to be like, are, are all, you know, river (laughs) Phoenix and people like that. So I don't know if we can just take the heaviness out of it and be like, it's, it's a, form of self-expression there's creativity to it mm-hmm. we we can do whatever we want and so yeah sure if you feel like a man and you identify with that then great mm-hmm. have fun <laughs> yeah. and, then, yeah. and and then people should respect it and, and treat you that way but yeah I think it's scary for people to think that there is an element of creativity like it's scary to give yourself that power you know mm. yeah it's good it's scary to consider that there's an element of creativity in it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oof. And it's just so amazing that you can get to like, oh, now I've got it. Now I've got it. Gender is not even a thing. It's not even real. Yes, that has evolved. And then somebody's like,
2: that's totally wrong. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I, I wrote that book about sexuality and gender and, and then I did a book tour and I was going into high schools and By the time the book came out, it was outdated and and I I was using the wrong terms and people were teaching me. So it's, you know, we just have to be all curious and interested and and patient and yeah.
0: Constantly curious, strong opinions.
2: That is interesting.
0: It's just any
3: time that you kind of affix some kind of immutable to it. Is when you get in trouble. Right? Mm-hmm. If you're like, yes, it absolutely is horseshit. I yeah. know that with certainty. Yeah. It's like yeah. <laughs> maybe you're in, <laughs> in trouble because if it is part of your creative expression, then someone might be certain about themselves in this moment.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
3: maybe in the next moment, they have a different certainty about themselves. So maybe you get in trouble when you ascribe any kind of meaning or certainty for others. Sure. Whereas if we just were more concerned about interrogating our own creativity and identity yeah, and only being concerned with that, yes, then maybe I mean, that's where it would be rich. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: there's a really interesting book called Can the Monster Speak? A speech given to a college of psychoanalysts by a trans man called Paul Preciado. And that sort of rocked my world. It was mm. really interesting. But he talks about how we're, I think part of the reason people are so reactive is that we're still attached to this kind of freudian way of thinking where our gender is a huge part of our identity and our our psyche and this sort of 200-year-old white guys <laughs> being like but you know men want to fuck their mothers and like it's yes. and then like that's a huge part of our identity and we have to undo that and then it's a much less big deal mm-hmm. if you want to be in some gray area or you want to be a bit more fluid Yeah, because it doesn't have to be such a huge part of your personality and your cultural roles and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it can be more part for some people, for sure.
3: Because I think we live in this world where you either that has to define everything about you, and you have to go out into the world, and you're, you know, your first, your first stand up, you're gay May, and you're (laughs) like, no, I'm a comic. Why am I gay May on stage? You know. Or there's people like me who, because I never had to do any kind of interrogation of myself because I was never asked to or forced to, it was just kind of like assume the position, literally and figuratively. <laughs> there is, I have an underdeveloped sense of that mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. I was just kind of like, check the box, no questioning here. And yeah, so sister, I think-
0: imagine if you went on an interview and the first five questions that people asked you was about your sexuality. Right. You'd be like, what yeah. the fuck? But that's all that happens. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's what happened today. <laughs>
2: it's what happened today. Yeah. I do feel lucky that I've, like, f- from from when I could even think, I could sense that the things I was being told were immutable, objective truths didn't fit with how I felt inside. So that was very confusing. But I feel really grateful because it made me challenge all kinds of other things as well. And, um, Mm -hmm. learn, learn about myself more.
0: I want to ask you what other things it helped you challenge and, and look at differently. And also I just want to say, I think it's cool for, to think about for me, because you said, maybe only be certain about yourself and that hasn't worked for me. I want to not be ever certain about myself because I surprised the shit out of myself, you know, six years ago. Weekly. you said it at one mm. point, May, you don't have to be gay to be gay, and that was for sure true to, for me. Like, yeah, totally. <laughs> right? You never know, and that's a beautiful thing about sexuality. It reminds me a little bit about faith. Like with thinking about faith, it's just this like ongoing, ev- like evolution of ideas that's fluid constantly. Mm-hmm. But what did this whole breaking down of everything in terms of gender and sexuality? What else did it help you deconstruct?
2: Well. I think I had a kind of existential spiral in my teens and spun out and was a bad teen. Mm-hmm. I think a, a lot of it came from that f- feeling of, yeah, uh, questioning the systems around me. I dropped out of school. <laughs> I'm not recommending this, but I, I guess I, I saw options that other people weren't weren't seeing. Mm. Like I saw that I I I could do comedy and I love doing comedy, so I did that and. I don't think I would have done that at such a young age if I hadn't already been thinking what makes me happy and where do I fit in? Things like monogamy mm-hmm. have been recently, I've been thinking a lot about and yeah. What do you like think that. about that? It's working pretty well for everybody.
0: So just wouldn't <laughs> Yeah.
3: I'm shocked because the data suggests you're just straight up wrong about that.
2: I know. I know it's, it is pretty wild. I don't know. I listen to a lot of Esther Perel. Like I, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, very into people doing what works for them, and and uh, and not reactively assuming that open relationships aren't as valid as closed ones. I think it—you just have to continually interrogate it and not get stuck. And we only have one life, so if you're if you're miserable, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. or stuck, then there's other options.
0: There's such a gift in not fitting in. Like I, I think this is what people don't. Like when we think we always joke and say our favorite people are queer people, but it's because there's some kind of personality that's forged by the gift of not being rejected by mainstream at first,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: because you're like,
2: oh, I guess if I can't join them, I'll just be free. Yeah. Or you think, well, everyone in my class is listening to boy bands and girl bands, but I I can't find my who I'm even (laughs) supposed to be attracted to or identify with. So I guess I'm going to listen to Nine Inch Nails or the Pink Floyd. And then that I'm kind of grateful that that happened. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's drawbacks too, right? Then you you end up with sort of battle wounds and, Mm -hmm. but yeah, any kind of otherness I think is a, is a gift for sure.
3: The creativity kind of seems at the core of all of this. Because if you're getting at the place where you're like, well, what the world is telling me about gender is clearly horseshit. What else is horseshit? Mm. Okay, maybe this whole idea that I have to go to school for 12 years and then for four more and then to get the job that I hate, maybe that's horseshit. And, And you start to get creative. And then even with your idea of monogamy, it is so wild that there's this kind of compulsory monogamy as the option. Like, where do you think the creativity shows up in relationships that makes different types of relationships possible? Hmm. What is the creative way that you think? Is it about playing with jealousy? Is it about playing with like your ownership over the other person? What is the place to be creative that opens up different
2: forms of
3: relationship?
2: I mean, I'm still figuring it out, but I think that where I've been most successful is where we've like constantly remembered that we're two individuals uh, and communicated well and had a sense of humor about it and not, you know, felt like we own each other's total metric of attraction and everything. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, I'm I'm not a, particularly jealous person, I, it turns me on when people are attracted to the person I'm with or if they're mm-hmm. flirting. It, I feel like it keeps me on my toes and I like that. I'm still figuring it out though.
1: It's amazing. But I
2: think just communicating. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, y- you guys are successfully doing relationship stuff. So you're the experts. Really. No,
1: I have so much abandonment issues that monogamy is the only way for me. <laughs> For sure. So yeah. like I know that. I ask her even now, we're like six years married. I'm like, you're are you ever gonna leave me? Please yeah. tell me you're never gonna leave. I have to start each if I'm like
0: okay. I need if I'm like, I need somebody to do the dishes, I have to start the conversation with, I'm not gonna leave you.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I just need you to put your cup in the
2: dishwasher. <laughs> That's so funny. Well, I sometimes wonder if my fear of codependency comes from a fear of being abandoned. Like just don't let yourself get to that place because then what happens if, you know, if it all falls apart, I've definitely, yeah, it ebbs and flows. Who knows? It's so hard to tell what part of our personality is a coping mechanism that was formed years ago and what's like our actual personality. You know what I mean? Uh Yep. Yeah. Totally get it. Are we just the sum of our coping mechanisms? basically. I think so.
3: <laughs> and that's, what's the hard part when you're trying to get like, I'm trying to be the truest me, like most authentic to myself. Am I like, am I just saying I want to be the most authentic reflection of the accumulation of my traumas?
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like, well, who would it, it totally, who would I have been if I'd never met another person? If I'd grown up on a beach, <laughs> yeah. just who, who would I have been? I don't know that I would have done comedy. I, I don't, I'm, I'm pretty introverted. I, I think I was trying to cheer up my mom probably like you know <laughs> but it's worked out I, you know
3: it all comes back to we're all just trying to cheer up our mom yeah, that's completely
0: yeah totally <laughs> that's right our mom or our dad we're just trying to make them happy still damn yes yeah <laughs>
3: One of life's most prevalent paradoxes that I often note is a closet full of clothes, but nothing to wear. But people who say that about their closet haven't shopped at Quince. I'll put my money on that. Quince is my, and soon to be your, go-to for high quality yet affordable luxury essentials from organic cotton to washable silk and sparkling jewelry. I am currently obsessed with all of their belt bags. Do you know this? They're the kind of bags that you can sling over the front of you. The kind that are actually like attached to a belt around your waist. And there's even like nylon ones that I've bought. They are under 30 bucks and they're really good for active wear and also hands-free. This is what I'm talking about. The new bag of the future is hands-free and they are super inexpensive at Quince. Love them. Check them out. The best part is Quince works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, which not only helps us trust the quality and origin of the pieces, but also cuts out unnecessary extra costs and allows us to bask in the savings. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash hard things for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash hard things to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash hard things.
0: You do say you have an addictive personality. So Abby and I are both, that's another reason we relate to you.
2: What is that like? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, well, you know, now I'm I'm just really vigilant about when things start to become habitual or start to dominate or or start to feel like uh self medicating mm-hmm. I always talked about it like I have this little shrimp in the back of my head that's this and when when it wakes up it it just devours everything else, and so I'm just mm-hmm. trying to keep that shrimp asleep mm-hmm. and like s- gently soothe it and keep it asleep so it doesn't wake up and oh, um yeah, but I I'm in a pretty good place now. I think it was a big thing for me was cuz I had a big drug problem in my teens and then I got clean and so I always relegated thinking about addiction to just substances and I thought, well, I had that problem yeah. and now I don't. And um, you know, I can never touch that substance again, but other than that I'm all good and then once I realized that addictive behavior permeates all aspects of life and you know, relationships and that it's not just about substances and 12 step programs and then that was big Mm. and then and then I tried to have just a in general a healthier more balanced thing I don't know now I do a lot of escape rooms and I I try to get adrenaline healthy places. So I, I do like horror escape rooms where there's like <laughs> an actor dressed like a clown in a dungeon and you're trying to escape. It's psychotic. You're trying to create like
1: the dopamine hit. And the Is like, that yes. why you do all the things? Yes, baby. That is risk. Like <laughs> yes. risk and, and drinking and, and drugs are like that it's producing the same chemical reactions in my brain. She, she's always yes. hurtling
0: herself down mountains and out of
2: like just the escape room. Adrenaline junkie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, wait, but I, I imagine a lot of athletes have that, right? Yes. Because that's uh, the endorphins. I only just started getting into working out at all in the past few years. And it, man, it feels good. Yeah. It's, I completely get it. How, Yeah. Hmm. Yeah.
3: This is where wethead comes in for the rest of us who maybe aren't as thrill seekers. That's maybe your version, Glennon. You could try that.
2: What Please. is it? This is, I really recommend it. Especially with kids, it's a game called Wet Head that uh, you—it's just a hat that has a bucket of water on it, and then it's like Russian roulette where you pull out, you take turns pulling out, and you, you trade the hat around, and you pull out these uh, pegs that are fastening the bucket, and one of them is going to douse you, and it's uh, very simple. I mean, it's called Wet Head, like it just couldn't be more simple and fun. I love and it. And you I chant it. Wet Head, Wet, wet Head,
3: head. Wet Yeah. Head. So if. If you, you know, have a Coke problem, try Wethead.
2: <laughs> try Wethead. Yes. It's going to work out for you. I bring it to dinner parties and stuff and people are like, do we have to play Wethead tonight? I'm like, yes, yeah, we <laughs> do ruin someone's night. So I was
0: lauding your parents and saying they were so amazing, but there's one little sentence in your book that says, listen, they weren't perfect. There's reasons that I wash my face five times a day and have fear of abandonment. So let's go back to that. How did they fuck up and why, why did they make you wash your face five times a day and have abandonment issues?
2: They kicked me out when I was sixteen. um and I thought, you know, uh, I don't know. I hit puberty. I had an amazing childhood. Mm-hmm. it was I'm so lucky and privileged. and then, um, yeah, just as soon as puberty hit my we we butted heads a lot and and I was doing drugs, and I was not in a great place and and I think they reacted with rage, mm-hmm. <laughs> like mm-hmm. at being li- being lied to mm-hmm. um and just sort of shut down and they did a tough love thing. That was difficult that I think they probably re- regret aspects of. We we haven't really talked about mm. it. It's very strange. We're so close now, mm. but we we don't really talk about that time. But it must be very hard to be a parent. Mm-hmm. It, is. it is. Yeah, I can't imagine. And everybody now, I, I really see them as, as three-dimensional people with doing their best in the moment with their own trauma and things like that. So, yeah, but it was it was tough for sure.
0: I'm sure we have lots of people listening. I mean, I think people reassessing and and actually believing that they can be, be comfortable in their own bodies because of stories like yours, because of progress, it, people, more and more families are going to be in a situation like your parents where their kid says, "Nope." what could be done well in that situation? Like you once said that when a parent finds out their kid is gay, they should just pretend that they just found a four-leaf clover,
2: yeah (laughs) like how do parents do that with laminate it laminate Um, your queer kid yeah my parents have always have been great about um about sexuality and and gender i think that stuff's just about listening and not doing that thing of going oh my god well i'm fine with it but i'm just so worried about Mm. you and the world and immediately making it negative and heavy and um i would avoid doing that Mm -hmm. it's the same people feel so comfortable doing that. I was talking about adopting. Like I I would love to adopt. And it's so mm-hmm. crazy how comfortable people are going, Oh, you, you bring it up and you go, I'd love to adopt. And they go, well, oh, you know, it could be really hard. Oh, I'm just, and you're like, yeah, I know. But you know, like, what's the alternative? No one adopts. Like it could be hard mm-hmm. anyway. It's crazy how comfortable exactly. people are going to that negative fear place. But my main thing is with, if you're a kid's doing drugs, I feel strongly about, about that stuff, that if you feel like they're self-medicating, you want to create an environment where they can talk to you and come to you and and not feel like they have to hide it from you. And I think the more we understand addiction and, and where that comes from, because so many people do drugs and not everybody gets addicted to drugs, right? There's mm-hmm. something going on there underneath usually.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So it's maybe having empathy and looking at not the method of soothing, but why why is that person self-soothing? Yeah. But it's hard. I guess it would be, it must be impossible as a parent. You'd feel so worried and betrayed and, and all that. But um, yeah, I think just
1: trying not to get angry. Mm-hmm. And I also think that what I have found in parenting, because I just got to parenting seven years ago when Glenn and I got That's together. That's amazing. And what I have found is I have a fear inside of me of being a poor parent our kids are amazing, but if they ever have an issue, I am now projecting that I am the reason why this issue is happening. And so (laughs) that could cause, I'm sure there's a lot of parents out there who might not be so introspective to be able to, to let that feeling come up and not act on it, whether it's kicking your kid out of the house or punishing them or grounding them. I was brought up in authoritarian home where what my mom said went and I have to fight some of those inclinations and urges that I have. Mm -hmm. And then also fight this, this fear of me fucking up my own kids in the moment. And it's almost impossible to do. I need to have somebody who can call me out on that. I mean, maybe not in the moment. Right. I have learned. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Conversations later. That's like, Hey, that sounded a little bit like fear, Your (laughs) your mom rejection. And so then I've had to go back and apologize for our kids for some of my instinctive like reactions to some stuff that they've brought. It's the hardest and most confusing. And it changes every day. You're like, oh, Mm -hmm. my kid is, I think that they've got it. And then the next day something else happens. I think all of the parenting stuff comes down to
3: like, if you could look at your kid as a human instead of a referendum on you or reflection on you. Yeah. I think mm. that whole thing, that's like what you're saying, Abby. It's its like you are going through this thing. Therefore, that means something about me. Yes. Or you are doing amazing and are an amazing athlete. Therefore, that says something about me. Yes. Like you suck. That's an indictment of me. You're amazing. That's a compliment of me mm-hmm. when actually none of those things are true. It's, so, it's just yeah. a person who's living in your house.
2: <laughs> yeah. You that's know? so interesting. If you change the language in your head in the moment to Like, how would I react if I was a mentor? Then some of the emotions not attached to it and you can, yeah, but I mean, it must be impossible. I think you have to, everyone knows, like, I will fuck up my kid Mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. And then, and then you go from there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Except
0: for a friend calls and says, my kid came out, my kid is non-binary, my kid's whatever. I do think that's a bit of a referendum on parenting in a good way. Mm. My first thing is already always like congratulations as parents, because you've created some kind of environment where this kid feels safe telling you who they are or or even exploring it even being like i actually am going inside and not just listening to like there's some kind of badass free in, in uh, full of integrity yeah. environment to even be presenting that
3: yeah definitely you use the word rage to describe the reaction to that period of your life. I'm just curious what your relationship to rage is now and what role that plays in your life, either inside of you or
2: people mm-hmm. around you. I think I, I, think it would probably do me a lot of good to do a primal scream in the desert. I always fantasize about going to the desert and doing an insane primal scream. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel that and feel like I suppress anger a lot. I'm not a very angry person. I don't know. I've had periods. I made a show, a a sort of semi-autobiographical show, and uh, it made me look a lot at my life and my teens and things like that. And after making it, I had a period of healthy rage for sure. And then got some therapy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anger is an interesting one. I just grew up on Star Wars. So I was like, anger leads to the dark side.
1: And to be a comedian, it must be confusing because everybody puts you in the funny box—happy, funny, and then happy. But like comedians, I've found in uh, large nice. are like super in touch with their feelings, all of the sad feelings too. So I'm not surprised that that there's some stuff that's happening underneath. Okay, I have a surprise to tell you, honey. I booked us an Airbnb at the Thousand Islands with more space and privacy, and we get to opt into my family. So near family, but not with family. Yes. You solved
0: family near, but not with. (laughs) Thank you, Airbnb.
3: It's so exciting. Have you ever thought about renting your place out like when you go away like that?
1: Yeah, I have. There's some big events coming up in L.A. in the near future that I'm very excited that possibly we're going to do that for sure. When you really think about it, babe, it really is the perfect way to make some extra money. When we're away from LA, when you're just living somewhere, it's easy to forget that the place you live in is actually a travel destination others want to visit. Your home might be
3: worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host, airbnb.com slash host.
1: Sister, you should rent your house too.
0: So I asked you before what, you know, things we could do or not do with with our kids and you you said... um, Don't bring them the, I love you, but I'm just so scared for what's coming to you. I think that's so good. That's just such a good little tip. So in terms of other things we should or shouldn't do. So let's say you were being interviewed by three podcasters. And let's (laughs) say that those podcasters had just seen a post that you had put up where you were on a red carpet with Elliot Page. And let's just say that those podcasters were a little bit obsessed with Elliot Page and you. And so let's just say that they had studied those pictures really well and seen two toothbrushes in one of those pictures. Would it be appropriate or just completely not to ask you if you and Elliot Page are friends or the kind of special friends that might require toothbrush carrying? I need to look at this
2: toothbrush thing no i'm just getting the photo up i met elliot when i was 19 actually in a bar uh in toronto we were both sort of sketchy canadian people and then we reconnected a few years ago and no we are very much um bros but i'm kind of enjoying the speculation yes (laughs) so i think that that is the reflection that is what i said that yeah, is what I'm, I said,
0: and 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 I. I said that is not a reflection.
2: There's no way that's a reflection. It is what it's I two effing toothbrushes. I said. I said
1: it, I said. Said it.
2: And, and I think yeah that we were getting ready in Elliot's in Elliot's hotel, and I think that's one toothbrush. But um, look, he's hot. He's super hot. It was fun being his date for sure for the night. Um, so you heard it here first.
3: Elliot is still available. <laughs> i yeah. <laughs> not sure about May. Okay. We're going to find out if that's an appropriate question to ask. Is it?
2: I'm always, Is that an appropriate I'm question? I'm always available. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You're, you're always available. <laughs> no, I do try to keep that part of my life yes. uh, slightly call. just because then it's so embarrassing if you're like, yeah, I'm so happy and settled. And then it ends and you're like, I've, Erase that. It's so um, embarrassing. Nothing's
3: immutable, Meg. We already Nothing talked is about exactly. it. Exactly. Just creative it's, yeah.
2: expression. I just moved to LA in, in May. I've been in London for 12 years. And that was a big change. And it's been fun being kind of a, a free agent uh, in, in LA. Just what like, has that <laughs> been
3: like? I didn't know you moved back to LA. I just knew you were in London forever. What what has that That's transition so long. been like?
2: Well, I grew up in Toronto and then yeah. I moved I was in all my twenties in um in England and then I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to get to know this city. It's it's crazy. I, I don't have a driver's license or drive. Ooh. So it's, it's kind of a tricky city in that sense. But um, I'm making lots of friends. Mm. It was so cool meeting Tig and Stephanie. And then <sighs> you had them on your podcast. And then I'm doing improv with Stephanie tonight. No way. And so, I saw that. Yeah. They're so, so great. Mean. Both of them. And yeah. So I'm trying to manifest my dream friend group and
1: oh. it's, yeah oh, we gotta hang great. out. Yeah sure.
0: absolutely I love Tig and Stephanie. Do you, <clears throat> you know so what well, we talked Tig I couldn't figure out Tig's um <laughs> email sense of humor. Yeah And so every time Tig wrote to me, I thought she was mad at me.
2: Yeah, I can totally see
0: that. Yeah, And so I kept telling my sister, I never do this with people's emails, but I kept reading them to my sister and saying, is she mad at me? Or so I'd have to create responses that could go either way.
2: Right. Where you could be playing into the joke or you could also be apologizing. Exactly. (laughs) That's really funny. It was
0: really confusing for a while. So, what do you do now? What's next? What are you into? What are you working on? What are you trying to
2: let go of? What's 2023 going to be like for you? Those are all good questions. Um, I'm about to record a new stand up special, um, nice. a new Netflix special, and I'm excited about that. And then I'm I'm writing this this new Netflix show, and then two two movies I'm writing. Wow. Uh, and yeah, just just having fun, trying to enjoy my new my new body, and you know. And it felt good
1: wearing a suit the other day,
2: you know. Abby mm-hmm. talked um, about the
1: suit. Abby's obsessed with the suit. I was actually talking to these two about how my sexuality is in some way that suit. Like, <laughs> right, Yeah. but it's not because I'm thinking, ooh, I want to, you know, fuck who's in that suit. I'm thinking that looked like something I want to wear to feel sexy. So I think that sexuality is both, mm, both the way yeah. that we see it and the way that we feel about our own body in it. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. Completely. And then I did have a question. I wear suits and, um, we have to go to an event on Thursday night and I'm thinking Mm. I'm going to wear a a proper tux. I've got a tux shirt, but I don't want to wear a bow tie or a tie. Me neither. There's something about it that makes it that then I will for sure for the rest of the night be called a man which is fine. That doesn't like necessarily offend me, but like, I also just use the pronoun she, her. So yeah. Is it with like a proper tuck shirt with like the wings at the front? Is it okay to open the top button and just go a little bit cash or should I button the top (laughs) button with no bow tie? I mean, I think you
2: can do whatever you want. You're Abby. You're the coolest. you like the people. They're just lucky that you're there. Yeah, no, you. That's a great answer. I don't know anything about fashion. I know that I, Gucci dressed me for that event. I've never been dressed by anyone and it was so thrilling.
1: Mm-hmm. And,
2: uh, they were a little bummed that I wasn't wearing a tie for sure, but I couldn't do it. I feel constricted. I just, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, it felt good to, but that wasn't a tux shirt. So I don't know. Right. I right. think you can open no, it'll look ho- it'll look like at the end of a wedding, yes. been, you know, that like slightly more relaxed. Yes. Yeah. It looks yeah.
0: confident, is what it looks like.
2: Yeah. yeah. Yes. It looks relaxed Completely. and confident.
1: I was thinking a- about maybe getting a bow tie and just hanging it low.
3: Yeah, I was just oh, thinking that. that's pretty cool.
2: Uh-huh.
1: It's that's like cool. y'all
3: showed up for the party, but I showed up for the after party.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> party. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I just can't rock a bow tie. But Elliot looked amazing in so, his bow tie. I'm so jealous of of
1: people who can. But I just, like, I know, for whatever too. reason, I'm like it's too much. Clothes are a yeah. whole thing. It's almost too formal. I'm like in a proper tux, but I'm like a bow tie or a tie. It's too formal.
2: Completely Bridge too far, people. Bridge too far. <laughs> I want to get to a place where I can be adventurous and dress like Harry Styles and wear like. But I'm Ugh. I'm I'm still trying to. Figure out all of that, but yeah.
0: Um, one day I'll be the, wearing sequins. In the last minute we have here, what's an idea or a belief or a way of being that you're trying to leave behind?
2: Hmm. hmm. I'm trying not to do and uh, things out of habit. There's this. I think it's Emily Dickinson. There's a, a phrase that she wrote that's like when the skeleton of habit upholds the human frame, and it just was so bleak. And I think about how so much of our life we just are on autopilot and even things like just the way I walk to work, like take a different route. Just that, it's that thing about creativity, just making sure everything's a conscious choice. Mm -hmm. I have to get better at saying no to people and be less of a workaholic. And Mm -hmm. I've been doing a lot of music and I'm really shy about it because I'm not very good, but, and it makes me very terrified. And I think, well, I'm a comedian. I can't do, it's so embarrassing. And I've been trying to go, well, I, I can get rid of that label too. You know what I mean? That's right. Uh, and just do things that scare me all the time. What, what kind of music? <laughs> music? Yep. Like emo, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, embarrassing acoustic guitar music. So good. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it makes me happy. And yeah, I don't want to monetize it. I just mm-hmm. want to do it and and experiment with it. Yeah. Well,
1: it's important, I not only that. because it's going to be great for you, but also all the people in the world that look like you that don't want to adhere to, or want to look to the boy bands or the girl, Mm -hmm. you know, like I think it's it's important that there's people that (laughs) look Uh, like us that are actually doing things in, in all the industries. That's
2: so cool. Yeah, I do. I mean, growing up there, yeah, there was no one that that looked like us and it is exciting, but then you don't want to get paralyzed by the, pre- the pressure. <laughs> pressure. You yeah. must do it yeah. for the
0: sake of the future. No, you just want to yeah. have some joy with it. That's right. I get that because I'm a writer, but I secretly inside of me. Oh, here we go. Just want to be a poet. <laughs>
1: oh, I thought yes. you were going to say a musician. Like, no, or a rock no, star.
0: no. I mean, you know, the poet thing. Yeah. But like, I'm so scared to be like, wait, am I going to write a book of poems? Like no <laughs> one's going to. like. You but- should
2: completely. I I totally relate. Yeah. The only difference between being a poet and not being a poet is writing poetry, right? It's the same with, yeah.
0: Exactly. That's good. May, you're just a damn dream.
2: Yep. You are. Thank you. So this has been so nice. I, last night I told my friend I was doing it and she was like, are you going to cry? And I was like, am I? I don't know. Do people cry? And she's like, I don't know. It could get deep. And I was like, oh my God. But yeah, you guys are so amazing. And thanks so much for having me.
0: Yeah. We'd love to hang out sometime and Show you yes, nothing so in L.A. because we don't know anything
2: about L.A. Let's
0: have a, a games
2: night. Yes. What, yeah. That's all I, I want to do. Wet Wet head. Head. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> well, and coming from somebody who um, didn't have any representation to look towards, I just think what you're doing and all the ways that you're doing it, your work matters and it's changing people's uh, perspectives. And so I just. I want to thank you so much because um, you're helping me even, you know, yeah. I, now I'm, I now you got me. I'm you know. going to cry. <laughs> thank you. I just think that I know that you've you've had to forge yourself to be in the position that you are in so much of your life um, and have had to deal with a lot of ups and downs. But here we are. And what you're doing is heroic to put your work out into the world and do it in the way that you are. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you
2: so much. And and ditto. Yeah. Thank you. I also
3: think it's very cool that you're inspiring in a different way too, is the, whatever the opposite of creative scarcity is, because what I admired so much is that after two seasons of feel good, you, even though like could have kept that going and kept going creatively, <laughs> you were like, no, that is how I want to end that. Mm-hmm. And I believe that there will be abundance For me in other things. And I think that was so special and probably gave a lot of folks the invitation to do that when mostly in Hollywood, it's very hard to stop something that you can Mm -hmm. keep doing. So
2: Kudos Thanks to you on that. That was awesome. Yeah, I didn't want to torture that couple anymore. <laughs> I felt like I left them in a good place and it would have been too mean to you'd have to break them up again yes. if you kept going. Yes. And it would be awful. Yeah. yeah. God,
0: give somebody a happy ending. We love you, May. The rest of you, your responsibility this week is to figure out three things that are your sexuality. <laughs> yes. Okay. Completely. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you are. Everybody has a sexuality. So you figure yeah. out three things. Okay. We love you. Um, When things get hard this week, don't forget. We can do hard things. Thank you, May. Bye. Thank you so much. Yay! We Can Do Hard Things is produced in partnership with Cadence 13 Studios. Be sure to rate, review, and follow the show on Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts. Especially be sure to rate and review the podcast if you really liked it. If you didn't, don't worry about it. It's fine. The holiday season may be at its end, thank you, baby Jesus, but the opportunities for giving amazing life-changing gifts have just begun. And yes, diapers
3: are a life-changing gift. Imagine you're a first-time parent struggling with time management and financial burdens. Don't really have to imagine. I remember it directly. And all the challenges of your first child. And then you get a huge shipment of diapers, funded by all your family and friends. That's a good feeling.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. That's exactly what Pampers is doing with their diaper stash. I love this so much. It's an online diaper fund. So you can contribute to a diaper stockpile and help ensure it never runs out. And one of
3: the most difficult things about buying diapers for others is making sure that you guess the right. Fits and sizes. And with Pampers Diaper Fund, all that guesswork goes away.
0: So if there's a new parent or expecting parent in your life, you will be making their lives a lot easier and showing them how many people are excited for their huge milestone. Organizing
3: a diaper stash is easy. Go to diaperstash.pampers.com to set up a fund and give the ultimate group
0: gift. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Pod Squad. some of what we share with you on the show are our individual unique experiences in therapy and the takeaways that help us grow, appreciate each other, and navigate this beautiful life we're doing together. Thank you for doing it with us. But the things we talk about in therapy itself, these are things we wouldn't necessarily share with just anyone. I think there are a few things more important than finding the right person to share your deepest thoughts, feelings, and questions with like a therapist. That's why we are thrilled about Alma's support of our show. They're big believers that you need the right someone to talk to, not just anyone. Alma helps you to find a therapist who gets you based on your needs, someone with whom you'll feel comfortable, heard, secure. Plus, and this shouldn't be overlooked, over 96% of therapists at Alma accept insurance because you want to pick someone based on the right fit, not just based on finances. You can browse their directory now. You don't even need to create an account. Visit helloalma.com slash hard things to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash hard things.